Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Hey, everybody. Dave Hodges here, host of The Common Sense Show. We are the show that is freeing America, one enslaved mind at a time. Thank you so much for joining us. Really good to be with you. And we're going to ask you, hey, share this show. A lot of it, a lot of our shows here go out on digital and sometimes, and they're on the radio networks, they go archive, which end up being digital in an MP3 format. So we would ask that you would share this because there are so many people that don't know what's going on. And this government is massively lying to you. Ted Cruz really did a good job. He and John Cornyn in a Senate briefing where they went public and they talked about their experiences when they went to the border and they exposed so many Biden and Mayorkas lies. Uh, people need to hear. They don't know because the mainstream media covers for the liars running our government. So please share. And we've got a great guest for you today. Um, he's been on before. He's written seven-part series. His name is Chad Stewart. And this Britfield series is unbelievably good because it introduces kids to all the crap that is taking away our freedoms, but does it in a childlike manner. It's incredible how he weaves this in, and it's acclaimed even in the mainstream media because they're not picking up on that part. But this promises to reshape our kids' minds. Listen to me. This can reshape our kids' minds to a healthy, family-friendly, spiritual connection with the world, with their family, with themselves. This series is going to take the world by storm. But it is the sane version of Harry Potter. It ain't no wave a magic wand and invoke witchcraft. But it's going to have the same impact. It's already signed up for movies. I bet it ends up being a TV series. It's a seven-part series, and I can't wait to interview Chad about that. But before we go to Chad, I need to let you know, ladies and gentlemen, you know that our economy is in trouble. You know the petrodollar is dead. You know that this economy is one day going to collapse and the banks under the Dodd-Frank law can keep your money. And I say, don't let them do it. Don't give them the opportunity. Uh, your retirement, you can't replace that. So what do you need to do? Get it out of the bank, get it under your control, back it with the precious metals. Noble Gold can do that and they can't touch it. You leave it in there, they'll keep it to soften their fall when the banks begin to collapse. Additionally, on the other side, you've got bank accounts to worry about. Same deal. Diversify, 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 and only leave operating capital in there for the very same reason. So I just really implore you right now, let me send you a free information packet, DaveHodgesGold.com. That's DaveHodgesGold.com. Or if you feel the urgency of the hour, call 877 877- 646-5347-877-646-5347. Hey, listen to me. This is going to be a great interview. You're going to love this. It's not just a literature about literature books. It's about life and the challenges we're facing. Stay tuned. Hey, welcome to the guest segment of the Common Sense Show, where we're freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. Thank you so much for joining us. Really good to be with you. And uh, we have Chad Stewart with us. And Chad's been on before, and we talked about his launch of the Britfield and the Lost Crown series, which is going to grow to seven. And I had said to Chad uh, in our pre-air conversation, what's coming kind of reminds me of the way Harry Potter took the world by storm in the entertainment world, but the material is a whole lot different. In fact, I want to stress this. This is healthy stuff for kids. This is very healthy. It's uplifting. It's not the CRT, let's make kids hate each other. 
let's teach kids age inappropriate things. Uh, that's not what this is about. This is something that parents can rest assured that you'd be happy to bring this into your home and have your kids exposed to it. And the good news is they're going to be on the big screen before much longer. Um, Chad, really good to have you back on the show. I'm excited for your success. Uh, we need more uh, projects like this that uplift kids instead of putting them in chains and turning them into monsters that hate each other. Yeah, I agree. And thank you, Dave. It's great to be back on your show. And uh, it is interesting how many people have sort of um, hooked their wagon to this ideology. And, and and I'm not saying the masses. I'm talking about writers out there. And it's like they think the only way to have a good book now is to have the the magic or the witchcraft or the demigods. And they're trying to think of some new mysticism. I'm thinking just write great stories. You know what I mean? Like now, present time. And and um, that's what's kind of fun about the series. You know, it's like it takes place in, in present time England right now. Everything's accurate. Everything's authentic. And then it travels the world as we, you know, go to book th- two and three and four. And I'm writing book four now, Britfield and the Eastern Empire and stuff. So I, I say that to encourage more people out there that, that there is a huge gap in the industry. I'd say about 85% gap for high quality, family friendly, good edifying content. You cannot write enough, you cannot make enough films, movies, television programs to fill that gap. People aren't buying this crap. They they aren't. And no, they're and not. The masses are, yeah, the masses aren't. They, they always might make you want to think it. Like this is the popular thing right now. S- says the trillion dollars, you know, five industries that own 96% of the industry or the media, right? No, it isn't. People don't like this crap. They want good family. What, what what real mother or father out there that love their kids want this crap? None of them do. So so get that out of your mind. And so start producing great content. And in a sense, like as you were talking, we've just kind of ignored all that. You know, people like will say, well, what do you think about what's going on here and this and that? I don't. I don't think anything of it. I think it's disgusting. I think it's filthy. And I think those that are behind it will pay a very deep price. They're not going to get away with it. But I don't focus on it. I focus on on great content. It's funny when I when I was in banking, uh, I started out as a teller. And the first thing you do is you they work they work you with real money, not not the counterfeit. You know what I mean? And and so by the time you get the the counterfeit stuff, you know the difference. And I've always felt that that right now, you know, all this other stuff out there is just counterfeit. You know what I mean? And if you stick to the good stuff, good content, good quality content, then uh, you know it'll feed the soul. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And and uh, kids today are starved for healthy outlets. Um, you know, I, I I just look at what we teach our kids today, and and I, you know, I, I've gotten to be uh, very well acquainted with uh, Sharona Bishop. Uh, she had the FBI kick in her door. She was in mm. the Dinesh D'Souza's movie. Uh, All right, uh, yeah, the, the recent movie that just came out on Police State, and uh, she went to a school board meeting and says, "I don't want my kids taught this stuff." And for her trouble, she had her door kicked in. She didn't do anything wrong. She didn't cuss anybody, didn't yell at anybody. She's a very calm person. And uh, she's actually turned this into activity. But parents feel this way all over the country. Absolutely. Uh, And and I don't think that the people in entertainment today are trying to meet the public's needs. I think they're trying to shape the public psychology. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And it's, and it's always been like that. That's why I was doing a couple of interviews the last couple of weeks. And that's what I was saying, that, that Hollywood exists for the agenda and and mm-hmm. the entire movie you might be watching this great movie you know what i mean it's like oh it's good actors it's got a great story and then boom here comes the agenda or mm, here comes the profanity or here comes the the nudity none of it needed but you have to understand the entire movie exists for that one bit of agenda or for that one nude scene or for the profanity because all they're trying to do is is numb you down it's the frog in the hot water little by little and it's there like television shows i was watching a new one on um uh, Amazon uh, about uh, oh everyone loves diamonds and it's about this diamond heist you know in um, in uh, Amsterdam or, or or Belgium and it's like you know it's kind of interesting and it's it's sub subtitles and and uh, although they have the you know the English and stuff and then and then I think it was the third or fourth episode here comes this weird background of nude sexual stuff and I'm like what in the freaking world you know and again thank you Amazon you failed just like Netflix I don't trust anything. That net, if it has the Netflix in on it and they've developed it, I don't watch it anymore. I don't trust anything that they do. They are so far off the reservation and, and it's just crap. But all of, all of these things exist for just like what you said, for that agenda, for that content to just get you used to it. And you'll say, well, you know, it's okay. Or yeah, the show's really good though. Yeah, they have a little bit of that, but in stuff. And that's what they want little by no, little. No, right? I'm not accepting a little bit of that. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting is um, I, uh, the Marvel 
series. I love the Marvel series when it came out. Now, if you go to a Marvel movie, you're just waiting for the bomb to drop. Yep. Yeah. It's going to happen. It's going to happen somewhere in this. And it just, and, and I don't think I've ever seen in history. Well, the Bolshevik communist revolution was one, but other than that, there hasn't been many times in history where such a small minority of people have been able to uh, enforce their views on other people. I mean, not just be who they are, but I mean, make you worship what they are. And that's, yeah. uh, it just, it's, it's, uh, it's it's over the top. Uh, well, well, what along these lines? I think I know, but what motivated you to write Britfield in the Lost Crown series? Yeah, it's interesting. It started uh, twelve years ago. I'm originally from Newport Beach, California. I was back east, Wellesley, Massachusetts, for sixteen years. If you can imagine, it was quite a bit of life. And uh, did my undergraduate in British literature, European history, and was in investment banking of all things. And I was on the dark side, if you will. But um, and but it wasn't, you know. I, <laughs> but it's funny to say that now. And uh, I was sent down to this, this seminar, you know, in, in Providence, Rhode Island, and I was just bored. I think it was insurance. And I and I started to doodle, and I doodled this circle with three lines, basket, boy and a girl, and I wrote the boy in the balloon. And that's when it started. And um, and it was just oh, this whole story came to me, you know, about this orphan, Tom, 12 years old, takes place up in Yorkshire, northern England. And um, so I sat down, and literally four years and 2,500 hours Later, I wrote Ritfield Lost Crown, you know, 384-page book. And then from concept to launching it officially, it was 10 years and 10 long years and 10 years of hard work, probably 10,000 hours. And and I've said this before, and I know you're very aware of it, but, you know, really the difference between a hobby and a profession is eight to 10,000 hours. We live in this kind of flashover substance society where it's, I want it now, or, you know, it's like, and you see it again, everything from Hollywood, everything mainstream media, and there's no difference between mainstream media and Hollywood. That's what people need to realize. No difference at all. They're, those are not journalists. Those are actors that are hired to play the role of a journalist or or reporter. And all that stuff is scripted. They all get their talking points at 4 a.m. in the morning, and they're all agenda stories, and it's all crap, all of it. I, I have not looked at a normal newspaper uh, probably for five or six years. Why? I, can't, I get my information from people like you that are doing your job and that are honest and can um, provide good content. So, And, and so that's... Um, that's kind of how it started. And it was interesting while I was writing it. I mean, what do I know about um, young adult, you know, or middle school fiction? And so I'm, I'll never forget walking in to the um, Barnes and Noble. And again, I, I don't have kids. And so, you know, like normally if you had kids, you'd be used to this. And I and I started looking at the, at the shelves. And I think that was my aha moment that this was more than a book. It was a mission, if you will, and a movement, because I was startled by the content that was on the bookshelves. I mean, everywhere i mean everything was witchcraft everything was demigods and vampires and occultism and uh, de- you know superheroes and it's like everything was like a disconnect from reality you know and we want you know and 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 and, it, and they're just dumping it on the kids today and it's sad and it's and, and don't get me wrong i grew up with star wars and i love that and and there's 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 some good content there's some fun stuff out there i mean narnia you know what i mean who doesn't love the lion the witch and the wardrobe but again you know mystical world um, you know magic is, is introduced even tolkien um with um lord of the rings epic stories don't get me wrong but i think that to create a story like the britfield series that is as authentic and real as possible has been part of the um incredible success that we've had i mean we're in the top one percent of all books that have ever been published within the same time frame we're working on the first of seven movies we'll be launching book four next year we launched the theatrical play um this uh, february uh globally we turned book one into a two-act mm-hmm. theatrical play 90 minutes for for elementary and middle schools trying to bring good content back mm-hmm. into theater programs and um and so and, and kids love it and we get we get letters like from around the world i kid you not and um, I could read just a few quick quotes if we have time, but um, because the kids are connecting with it, you know, they'll never connect with with solving problems by saying a spell or waving a wand. And that's what they want. That's what they're trying to sort of, you know, indoctrinate kids into or that they're not happy with being themselves. And I wish I was a superhero. Yet God's made us all incredible, all individual. We all born with creativity. We all have great gifts. If we can find the time to realize those gifts and it takes time to nurture things of quality. You know, it took me 10 years millions of dollars to launch Britfield and the Lost Crown. And it's uh, it's been trial and error, and it's been a hard, long road. And everything we've done in the last four years has been really a soft launch. Next year, 2024, is when we go global. So That's an incredible success story. Give us a teaser here, uh, your, story, your central plot, your storyline. What does it center around? 
Yeah, so it's um, it's fun. So book one takes place in England, uh, present time. Starts up in Yorkshire at this horrible orphanage called Weatherly Orphanage. Tom's been an orphan his whole life. Uh, he's 12 years old, and he's been at Weatherly for six years. And I love it. Like the first two pages, it says, this is the year I escape. You know what I mean? You kind of set that pace. And what's fun about it is, you know, he uh, eventually escapes with his best friend, Sarah, who's also 12. But he's relentlessly chased by this illustrious detective, Gowerstone. He's kind of, Gowerstone's based a little bit on... Uh, Sherlock Holmes and a little bit of James Bond, very cool, very sophisticated. And you're wondering through the story, why is this guy so obsessed with finding this, this child? And there's this royal mystery of Britfield. And what's fun about it is, is um, really in book two, Britfield and the Rise of the Lion, book three, Britfield and the Return of the Prince. And you'll appreciate this, Dave, is that um, I've been I've been doing my research for 12 years and relearning history a lot because of your show and the Hagman report, um, Steve Quayle. I mean, he totally woke me up. And so, you know, I'm, I, it's kind of like twofold. On one side, I'm reading all this stuff, relearning history and blown away by like how deceived I've been. And on the other side, I'm writing this series. We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts and help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at thecommonsenseshow.tv, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at thecommonsenseshow.tv. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call buryyourgold.com. And what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground. And you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold. Not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to buryyourgold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Did you know that the World Economic Forum now, they in the last meeting they convened, they actually had a water board there with water experts, and they tell us our water is in danger and they have to take control of our water. Does that bother anybody? I'm sure it does. And I begin thinking right now about water safety. And we already know there's lead in the water, chemicals in the water. A lot of it's not safe to drink. But we have the answer for you. It's called the Alexa Pure Pro Water Filter. It's the best there is. And scientifically, they leave nothing to doubt as they publish their research at waterwithdave.com. And it's my choice for water filtration. Gravity powered. It reduces 206 contaminants. It targets heavy metals, fluoride, chlorine, and viruses. It is the best there is in the business. And you can read all the research on this simply by going to water with dave.com that's water with dave.com save eighty dollars for a short time and so it's funny because it fits in and in book two is like my empire strikes back i mean it's like we pull the curtain and it's like you know what who are the britfield and 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 what was this this the real royal britfield family that were supposed to you know rule england and they come from sort of a a almost um, a godly background you know what i mean they were ne- they weren't about oppressing the people but 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 enlightening them you know what i mean and providing land so they could grow and, and education and not steal from taxes and so you know starting with the tutors and then the stewards and then finally the Windsors, the Britfields were usurpered. And so it's like you got this really great, interesting royal mystery with real history tied in. And then, you know, in book two, I start to, to, to expose more of this group called the Committee, based on obviously the Committee of 300, behind the scenes. And I, and I talk about secret societies. I talk about these fake organizations. Um, you know, we introduce um, uh, a lot of current issues right now. Like in, in book two, we, we, we talk a little bit about um, uh, transhumanism. And um, and we get into super soldiers. We get into um, the oh, different. My goodness. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's and it's threaded. You know what I mean? It's not like it's not like you know bulked on you because it's a fast paced story with Tom and Sarah, and they're just trying to find their family. Tom's trying to find his family, the Britfields, and they're now in France. 
but it it works if that makes sense and it's threaded through and then in book three we get into um technology and 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 uh you know how how social media and all that's set up to collect your information and how their ultimate goal with a d-wave computer out of switzerland is to pull all people's information together and um, finally, you know, comes to this great crescendo in Venice. And now with book four, I'm introducing digital currency, one world monetary system. And so it's a thread that goes through these books, but it's not, it's not what these books are about, if that makes sense. But I can't help to write it because the books are, are, are as authentic as, as possible. And, um, and I'm introducing kids and adults, 55% of our reading audience are adults. I'm introducing them to these, these things. I've, I've had people come back and say like, whoa, you know, and it's, and even young kids, it's really cool. I, I surprised this, um, some of my my investors know a family here in San Diego, and and they contacted me and said, you know, their daughter Ava is turning thirteen uh, in a couple of weeks. Is there any way that you could surprise her for her birthday? You know, for lunch. She, she you're, you're her favorite author. She loves the Britfield series. They've gone to France and, and Italy and visited some of the locations. And I thought very cool. And so you know, I met her, and she was just blown away. And we talked for about two and a half hours. Uh, with her family over lunch it was really cool but she's like she's like into this stuff like she's she's like oh yeah like the committee and 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 it's it's like it's little by little you, if you will i'm i'm waking them up with the truth i'm not only providing a great book based on family friendship loyalty and courage i'm also inter, 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 interweaving creativity critical thinking communication and collaboration and kids that are reading it are learning about history geography art architecture and culture all within every single book and so we like to call it yeah. stealth education. You know, we're, we're educating what, kids. Yeah. Good. What what you're doing here, this is this is absolutely incredible. What you're doing, Chad, is you're uh yeah. uh you're avoiding labels like right wing extremist. Sure. It's still able to talk about some of the same things I talk about. Um it, wow, that's uh what a clever plot. You know what it is? I'll speak to you as a psychologist for a second. Okay. With, with the label the CIA came up with in 1967 to take people sure. away from looking at the Kennedy assassination, you're a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. And, and and now you're a disinfo person. I mean, it's kind of morphed into that. But when we look at, at that, that created perceptual defense in people. And perceptual sure. defense is something that's conditioned in us. It's like when you're hypnotized, you won't do something against your will. Uh, perceptual defense, but it becomes ingrained in us, conditioned in us to accept anything that is not necessarily for the government or for the establishment that, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. We shouldn't take it seriously. But by putting it into a fictional series, you bypass perceptual defense. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. I like the way that you uh, you had stated it. Um, absolutely, because I'm I'm under the cloak of fiction. You know what I mean? And yeah. um, but it's funny too, because like you know, everyone that that's read it has loved loved it. But every now and then you'll get like some people who's saying, "Oh my gosh, this is crazy!" Like the stuff that's in there. And I'm like, "Well, actually, it's not." You know, I don't I, I never re- respond, but I'm saying it's actually true. But it is a book called fiction. You know what I mean? But it's like everything that's in there. It's like it's just because so many so many people are. are Have you done are, any mainstream media interviews? Now we're looking at one in Fox in New York uh through my 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 agent right now um and 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 that will come eventually um I'm not really concerned about it I'm not focused on it I think as the movie starts to ease in next year we'll probably be doing some but I will be selective I'm not on there to debate anybody um that's why I like coming on shows like yours I'm, yeah. not, I'm not here I'm not here to be defensive I'm not going to I'm not no, here, here what about this or you said this or what do you think about this or what do you think about Trump and blah blah, blah. I'm, I'm not here politically I'm an Yeah officer. but you got the perfect out You've got the <laughs> yeah. perfect. You, hey, you know, there's some elements in here that people that engage in disinfo talk about. It's fiction. Yeah, it's just part yeah. of the fiction story. It's you know, and that, story. that would really negate a lot of the criticism you might get in the mainstream media. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. You know what I mean? Um, we're, we're thinking about it, and I'm. I've done over like 200 interviews, which has been great. Uh, you know, nationally, even some global interviews, and again, everything from podcasts to radio to television, um, but nothing that sort of that level of mainstream yet. And, um, and we'll, we'll get there and, but it, it will be select, you know, it'll be with the right people. I'm not, I'm not there to talk about any, cause, the, cause you know how they, they set it up or how they use it or what, you know, and they're all 
trained in that in that area and stuff. And it's just it has nothing to do with me. I'm not there to I'm there to inspire people. And really, like with your interview right now, I'm I'm, I'm here not just to promote my book series, you know, because I've already done that across the world. <laughs> but I'm really here just to, just to, just really honestly to inspire people. I think we're, we're in a we're in an age right now where there's so much negativity going on. And and I've said this before, and you know, the quote very well by William Casey. But he goes, we know our he's, he was the director of the CIA. And he says, mm-hmm. we know our job will be done when everything the American people believe is a lie. Yeah. And that just blows me away. I mean, like, can you imagine that's your mantra? It's like it's like my I exist and my goal is to make sure that everything the American people believe is a lie. And I think in some ways we're at that period of time. I think they've succeeded on one end, but on the other end, I think we are the most enlightened society, especially since 2020, in the history of humanity. That would be my defense. I think for the first time, people are starting to see the cracks in the dam, if you will. They're starting to pull the curtain, they're starting to question things, and we have millions and millions of people that say, enough. And I think a lot of it, and I said this to you on, um, I think on your earlier show, but when I was on my, when we launched the book in 2019, I went on a national school tour and I drove 9,000 miles. I visited 23 states. um, And I was in Arizona. I did about 15 schools in Arizona, which was fun. And um, uh, 200 schools to over 40,000 students. I was in Memphis, Tennessee in March, 2020. And I had to, I had to stop and drive all the way back, you know, and I, was, and I was like finally in the heart of America. But as I was driving back, I was saying to my friends, I'm saying, you know, it'd be interesting to see when this whole nonsense is over, how many parents will send their kids back to school? And, and they'd say, why? And I say, I'm basing it on three things. Number one, for the first time, parents will see what their kids are being exposed to or taught in school, and they will be horrified. And you've heard you've heard you've heard that backlash for the last two and a half years. Number two, how far behind their students are, or their, their children are in certain subjects that they shouldn't be. And number three, if they sat down and worked on their homework that, you know, within two to three hours, they're done for the entire day and they can spend the rest of their time. I don't know what playing, having fun growing up, being 10 years old, <laughs> instead of being in these institutions for 40 hours, a, a, you know, a week, five days a week. I mean, just ridiculous. Your only qualification to be in that classroom is that you're 12 years old. Right. And so um, and so I think I think because of it, I mean, I think millions and millions and millions of parents have woken up. You're seeing that, you know, with these videos of, of standing up to the school boards, probably for the first time. And they hate that. They, they hate to be challenged. So challenge them, hammer them, do whatever you need to do to get them physically removed from the offices that they're in, because they're going to keep pushing and promoting this garbage and this crap because that's their agenda. They're either they're they're either they're either being paid to do it or they're being threatened to do it. But to, to sit there and say that there's 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 an actual human being out there that wants to bring this disgusting, vile filth into the classroom and expose five years olds to it. I wouldn't define that as a human being. I, uh, that's a, that's a demon. You know what I mean? I can't see, I can't believe that there's real honest Americans, right? So they're either, they're either just caught up in it. They're, they're promised something they're bribed, blackmailed or paid and, and get them out of there. And they I would agree. I'd agree. They hate, they hate to be challenged. Hammer them, hammer them, hammer them. And there's thousands of videos out there if you can find them, right? All we see is the mainstream flash over substance nonsense. They're telling us what, what's important, right? I, I think it's very interesting. I've been thinking about this for the last couple of weeks. The very existence of the newspaper is an organization that's putting out content telling you, Dave Hodges, this is what you need to read today. This is what's important and because we're covering the stories that you need to know. You know, it was funny, too, like even in I don't read it, but sometimes you catch the glance of the front cover. And it was like I think it was like a week ago. It was like the because I'm in San Diego, San Diego Tribune or something. And they had all these fires and they said, remember what happened last year? And I just my first impression was like, that's what you're covering with, like fires that we had in San Diego a year ago, like just to panic people. And remember, remember that fear of the fires? frankly, all all self-lit, you know what I mean? But it's just like th- they don't have the capacity or the ability to actually tell you good stuff. And so I like to come on shows like this to try to encourage people to let, let them know that there are millions and millions and millions of people out there that are woken up, that are that are, that are are fighting the good fight, that love their, their kids, um, that are pulling them out of these traditional institutions. We've gone from 5 million to, to 15 million homeschoolers in the last two and a half years and That's growing. True. Nice. That's and true. that's extraordinary. We've got over a thousand charter systems or schools just in California. And I'm not saying that's the end all, but it's a lot better than the public. And what does that tell you? So, no, I, I totally agree with you. I think I, I, when I look at what you're doing here, um, you're countering a concern. In fact, let me just tell you about a live stream I did last night. Um, I talked about Gen Z 
And and people are asking me, Dave, are we going to have a revolution? We have a civil war. And I said, okay, we can answer that in a number of ways, but let's just take the hypothesis that we will. I said, what would that look like? And and I said, a lot of people say that the Gen Z will have nothing to do with it because they've been trained to be Marxist communists. And I'm saying, yeah, but poverty is poverty. And what inspires revolution are people that don't have enough to eat. And they're usually young people that end up starting stuff like this. It's not the older people. And the old people might finance it some, but the younger people are the foot soldiers. And what's interesting about what you're doing is is we may not have to get to that point if we had more work like this, because what I feel that you're looking at here is that you're doing a counter conditioning of what kids are getting in the school. I mean, we're producing Marxist socialist young kids that think that all capitalism is evil. And and I think that 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 what you're doing here is really good. I wish there were a hundred more of you. I I agree. And And I. And I say this to encourage people because we don't really have any competition per se. And it's like, well, what you know, what if someone takes your ideas? And I'm like, take my ideas, you know, write a great series, push it out there. We can't get enough good content out there. And you're right about that. And it's, I, I've always said like the Ritfield series is like right now what's in the industry is like McDonald's. Right. And it's like, you know, it smells good and it kind of tastes good, you know. Yeah. And then and, and but when you're done reading it, it really doesn't feed your mind. It doesn't feed your soul. You don't really learn anything from it. And you kind of feel like crap, just like you feel after, you know, a McDonald's meal, honestly. And and what we're doing with the Ritfield series is offering like, you know, fresh vegetables and fruit and, 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 and meat and salad and, you know, just like a good meal. And when kids eat that, it, it, it like you said, it reconditions their mind and their body of a higher level of, of what literature should be. So now when they go back to the Harry Potters, it doesn't stick as much. You know what I mean? It does. It's yeah. kind of like I was thinking about this like last month. I was thinking like because I, I think a couple of the, the Harry Potter movies are always on television. And so like I was flipping through yeah. and caught it for like five or 10 minutes. And I and I just kind of started to see it looking very silly. You know what I mean? Like I get the excitement of it and, and all that. But I'm like, Tom and Sarah didn't have a wand. And yet they got out of the situation or they were chased and they used their mind and talked about it and they hid and and helped them along the way. And it's like everything in these books is as authentic and real as possible. And it makes all this other stuff kind of look a little bit silly. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm going to speak to you as a psychologist again. What, what yeah. the difference between your series and whether you're describing it and what Harry Potter does. And I've only seen a little of Harry Potter, but enough to know that you wave the wand that's nothing to do with your own creativity, your own level of resilience, no. how you handle challenges, how you bounce back from setbacks. And what you're doing is real people solving real problems using the tools they have available to them as opposed to waving a wand. This conditions helplessness. The Harry yes. Potter series, and I've said this before, it conditions kids to be helpless, not to rely on their own inner strength or seek out role models that they can imitate to solve problems. Sure. I love that. And that's a really, that's a great analogy. That's a, and exactly what we're doing. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm giving examples of kids using critical thinking, communication, collaboration, and creativity in every single book. And sometimes Tom, it's not like Thomas Sarah's always know what to do or have the right answer. You know what I mean? It's like book. He's kind well, of funny. Because, I, I have uh, said. 14. I, I yeah, I said, Chad, that the mainstream media, I mean, okay, if you look at your typical sitcom, your typical sitcom I actually had my students when I was uh, teaching at a local university, I had a project for them. I said, but it was a class in social psychology. So we were looking at behavior modification as a conditioning tool. And I said, I want you to t- pick a sitcom and analyze it to, you know, the majority of this course and write your conclusions on things like empowerment, resilience, and so forth. And and it was incredible because about 90% of the work that came back to me, these students... What- the Common Sense Show is proud to be able to bring you some very special deals for MyPillow. For example, they've got half off MyPillow bed sheets, more than half off their slippers, their sandals, their mattresses, their topper covers, women's lingerie. Now, they have extremely great products, as you all know. Ladies and gentlemen, right now go to MyPillow.com backslash Hodges. Use the coupon code Hodges to take advantage of these great opportunities. MyPillow.com backslash Hodges, coupon code Hodges. They said was, we are trained to get almost to the level of success 
and then self-sabotage. That was one mm-hmm. theme that came out. The uh, other theme that came out was that, oh, that goal is way beyond me. I could never be that, do that, and so forth. So there's a, there's a lack of self-efficacy that people have. And and I got to tell you, it really awakened me that my suspicions were correct about mm. the mainstream media and what it does. And if you look at the news, and I did my own analysis on the news, and then I reported on it, uh, about 94% of the news stories are negative in some fashion. Sure. Sure. And it conditions you, you live in an unsafe world, but there are these people up there that will take care of you. And I don't mean up there. I mean yeah. over there. I mean over there in D.C., yeah, and so yeah. that that's that was another conclusion I came to. So there is this use of the media to propagandize people into being less than they are, easier to control, and and rely just on the government. And we're seeing that today in spades. It's true, and it, and it's a, and that's a great analogy. And I would have loved to have taken your class. And you're an awesome teacher. <laughs> I mean that. I used to teach college too, and it's like, but I just didn't have the. The, the gumption, the gift of it. Uh, but what a great class. And and it's true, isn't it? It's um I think we've been as a nation, we've been vic- victimized. And we're now we're now victims. And it's in the simplest ways. It's like, oh, I have an allergy. You know what I mean? Or oh, I can't eat that. You know, it's just the simplest thing, but it's like, oh, I have this, or I have this condition. You know, it's like the whole what is it, A A D was it the uh ADHD? Yeah. I mean that that that's made up. That doesn't exist. That was it's a bunch of crap. It. Here's what I tell Paris. Oh, my kid has ADHD. He can't focus on anything. What does he like to do? Video games. How long does he play them? Hours. He doesn't have ADHD. If he can focus that long on one yeah. thing, I don't care what it is. It is not ADHD. Yeah. Or or what's his diet? And and what, what kind of fructose and, exactly. and corn syrup and, and garbage and crap <laughs> are you feeding him? You know, how often is he outside? What's it, you know, is he involved in sports? That whole and I'm sorry for parents out there because it's like again. It's the victimized. It's like, well, he's got this condition. We got him on these drugs. Are you kidding me? I mean, 98% of kids shouldn't be on anything, but, you know, um, healthy exercise and a good diet and and, and homeschooling. <laughs> well, you know, at my age, I'm developing some conditions. Sure. And so I'm going to brag for a second. Last night in the gym, I did 30 minutes on the heavy bag. I ran nice. 16 sprints, the length of a basketball court, and I lifted weights. So, so much for the conditions excuse. I get so sick yeah. of hearing that. We're producing a bunch of cream puffs in our society. Yeah. I know. I, I, you know, I listened to, to Dr. Uh, Ted Brower and I know you good friend of mine. Yeah. Good yeah, friend of mine. And he's, yeah. and he's awesome. And I learned, I learned so much from yeah. his program and I, I have his protocols. I'm doing the immune protocol now. And, uh, and I, we talked about this before. I remember you had, um, was it, I think it was problems with your joints. And of course the doctor wanted surgery. Everybody wants surgery. Yeah, that's like, right. That's right. I mean, I mean, I honestly, I've not physically been to a doctor and praise God, but five to six years. Physically, I've not been to a doctor. Yeah, Ted said, give me two weeks because I had a partially torn meniscus and they wanted to cut it. And I said, okay, I'll put it off. <laughs> yeah. And ten, 10 days later, I was walking without a limp and I said, I'm not getting surgery. And I said, what am I going to get yeah. surgery for? Right? Because I got it scheduled. No, I'm not doing it. So he named a joint protocol after me on his website. I know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I know. But yeah, and see, this is the thing we're really talking about here. What empowers our kids? Yeah. Um, and, and what we're doing in our schools, not all our schools, there's not all schools are like this. I know schools that function at a high level. Sure. And a lot of our schools, our kids are being taught, you'll submit to everything we do. You might be five years old and COVID's no threat to you, but you're going to wear a mask because we say so. Sure. Yeah. That's that was horrific, just... too. I, and coming back full circle, what you're saying, it's like about the conditioning and where we are as a society. We saw that in 2020. And I got to admit, I was blown away, like, by by how many people, like, like drank that Kool-Aid and took a hook, line, and sinker. I mean, literally. Like, I'm, I, I'm in an affluent area, and it's like you have these multimillionaires that are running global corporations, walking their dog, wearing a mask or driving in their car with a diaper on their face. <laughs> and I'm, I, I literally, and I, I will never do business with anyone like that. I mean, it's as far as I'm concerned, you just, you just outed yourself as being an idiot, you know, sorry, I, 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 it, sorry to be harsh, but, but that did blow me away. I mean, across the board, you know what I mean? And it's like, and they're effective. You're looking at it. You're looking at a very well fine tuned machine, multi-trillion, dollar machine our money trillion dollar machine that's been built over the last 50 to 100 years and so they can pull that trigger you know so well when you look at okay so it sounds like empowerment relying on creativity 
having some resilience. I've heard that uh, from from your series. Are there any other core principles that really kind of jump out at the reader? Um, yeah, I mean, the, the main theme of the whole story is family and the importance of family. So I have these, you know, high octane, born born identity meets James Bond meets Narnia, you know, fast paced series of 12 year olds that have read book one in five hours. Right. So it's it's a great, fun, exciting series. But but if you were to ask me what's the number one theme, it's family. And it's the the core of the whole series of the importance of family, what family means. And it's not just by birth and blood. It's by people that come into your life that are willing to sacrifice their life or help you or risk getting caught or doing something um, that become your family. And that's just kind of been the theme through this whole story. Meanwhile, Tom's trying to find his family. You know, he's an orphan. In book one, you know, he's been an orphan his whole life and he finds out that his family might be alive. Can you imagine that? Like, wow. And so that that's one of the main themes. Obviously, friendship is a big one. Uh, loyalty, courage is a huge one. You know, ha- having the courage and the gumption to step up and do things. Um, so I think those are kind of some of the pillars in it that kids are learning. But again, it's it's not courage with a wand, you know, or my superpowers. Yes, I know that 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 those superheroes over there are are more super than I am. But I'm willing to to fly out and 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 you know what I mean. Like, give me a break. You know what I mean. So uh, again, disconnect from reality. So so I think those are kind of some of the core principles. Um, we can definitely dig dig deeper. Um, but I think it's fun too because I'm opening up a, a real world to kids, like in England, and then book two is in France, book three is in Italy, book four is in um, Eastern Europe and Russia, book five will be in Asia. Book six will be in South America, and then book seven will be in the United States. And Tom and Sarah grow by one year in every book. So book one, they're 12, book two, they're 13, book three, they're 14, which is fun for me too, because especially at that age, and we can remember back, like the difference between 12 and 13 is like a decade, right? And the difference between 12 and 14 is like two decades at that age, you know, 35 to 36, who cares, right? 12 to 13, big deal. And so, you know, and so they're growing and they're maturing and they're learning. And that's what's kind of fun about book three because i'm being as authentic and real but tom and sarah uh, are now 14 they've gone through a lot they've had a bit of training if you will and they're kind of going out on their own in book three but but they're making a lot of mistakes you know what i mean and it's just it's kind of funny you know and there's 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 some great dry humor through the whole series so what about um elements of spirituality is there anything there that comes up for these there is yeah and and book two introduces it and again too i'm 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 just writing great stories in my in my um, audience is, is, is global. You know what I mean? I mean, there's, there's no one out there that wouldn't necessarily enjoy the series, but with that said, from my own beliefs and background, it just, it works its way in very natural. And I think we start to touch on that in book two and, um, and then it carries out through book three and four. And we know that we, uh, especially book two, it's uh, they're, they're, Tom and Sarah become very aware that there's something out there that's, that's looking after them. Um, and there's a great, there's a great bookend with this, um, monk mm-hmm. that they meet in, in, at the beginning of book one. And at the end, it's, um, I actually quote Ephesians six. Um, he quotes it and it just, it's like, we don't wrestle against, uh, you know, flesh and blood. And, uh, so it's kind of cool. I mean, it, it's like, I actually have a biblical verse at the end of book two. And again, it's, these aren't, I'm not preaching to the choir. That's not, not that's not the uh, agenda. It's very much like, um, C.S. Lewis, you know what I mean? And, and Narnia. You know, it's the analogies and stuff, but it's all in there. Um, in fact, we even have a faith-based study for book one, put it that way. So it's all there, um, but it's not its not like hammered into your face and stuff. So it's definitely got that element. Yeah, I, I'm wondering why the mainstream media hasn't reached out to you. If the, the popularity, and it's for kids. I'm surprised they have it. Is it do you think it's coming. Maybe, yeah. do you, well, do you think maybe the subtle content there is... Uh, a disinhibitor for some of the mainstream. But put it this way: Why? Why would they? Because this is the thing about the news that you need to understand. If they're if they're following it, they own it, right? It, I can't even believe CNN is still around. But if CNN is covering the story, they own it. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's an agenda. And so, Griffin and Lost Crown. That's not one of ours. That's not from us, right? That didn't come from one of our major publishers. That that didn't come from one of our. That didn't come from the Tavistock Institute, right? That's not one of ours. And so like, like, why would they cover me? You know? And so I think, I think eventually it's, it'll, it'll splash onto the mainstream in the sense that it's become so popular, um, that they'll, they might want to address it for five minutes. What is this whole Britfield thing? Oh, blah, blah, blah. okay, great. Boom. We did our thing. Check that off. Let's get back to our agenda. But again, if I'm, I'm not part of their club, so they won't include me in their club. That's why you have like 50, only 50. I think Mel K says this, but you only have 50 actors. You know that are doing movies in Hollywood, isn't that the truth? It's like the same. It's a, it's a usual suspect. 
actors. It's the same actors because they're part of the club and they're the ones that are always getting the, the big roles. They're the ones that are out there saying, wear your mask. You know what I mean? They're the ones out there saying, I really believe in this organization. It's like, you know, and it's like, give me a break, you know? So they're all part of the club and I'm not part of the club. Never will be part of the club. In fact, you know, we're, we're, we're the majority. We're on the right side, you know? And, and, um, I just look, I, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll watch my words, but anyway, you, you know, <laughs> last night I, uh, I did a live stream with my audience, and one of the themes was, what's it like to live in a police state? Because this is relatively new territory for our people. It's been emerging for a while. I think the Patriot Act was the big step, but it was. Yeah. We, we have emerged into this now where we're really in a police state, and, and, and how far we go, we'll, we'll have to see. But but I, I, I told the people, I said, you know, you have a whole different uh, genre in front of you. You have to decide in this new paradigm, you know, what your role in this is going to be. And you have to look at long-term consequences and short-term benefits. Um, when you told me that you had this James Bond-style character pursuing these children because they were being outside the norm, is there that theme there of how to resist authoritarianism? Am I picking up on that? Yeah, and it's and it's quite interesting. I mean, I haven't had a really um, deep inter- interview in a while, just on you know on the book, and the, which is great. I'd love to get into it, but I mean, you can you could spend. Biffy and Lost Crown Book One is is designed to be taught in the classroom. Uh, we have an eighty three page study guide based on national standards. Oh. It's already being taught. It's already being taught in hundreds of schools across the nation. We're already in thousands of schools across the nation. You could spend an entire semester just on Biffy and Lost Crown. Everything from um, Weatherly and what it represents up north to the fact that the kids spend all day um you know producing products like baskets and tables that the 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 grievances can take into town and sell and the place is called the factory that's what the kids call it you know and again you can go back to the 19th century factory industrial revolution you know what i mean like you can spend all day on this kind of stuff so so i i all those it's it's very very layered you know on the surface exciting fun fast paced but i mean you can dig into any of it and so you're catching on some of that you know and and um it's interesting too because unfortunately for the orphans uh their whole impression of of adults is that adults are sort of bad and it's not it's not um i don't state it in that way but it's just been the people that they've been you know used to except this one cook um who who slips the 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 kids extra food and some snacks and apples and cheese like all that stuff's forbidden from weatherly but once they get out of weatherly the first person they bump into it's really great scene and it's in the movie and it's really important is you know because they're trying to get to the train station four miles away to get a train to london why london why not right the greatest city in the world and so that's kind of their goal and and they're cold and it's starting to rain and this this older gentleman this little cottage sees them and gives them a break and says, you guys look, you know, like you could use something to eat. Gives them this hot bowl of, of, of soup, gives them a couple new sweaters that his, um, uh, uh, his sister knits him, you know, kind of oversized. And says, I'll give you a ride to the train station, gives Tom a, you know, 10, 10 pound note and says, take care of Sarah and, and, you know, good luck or Godspeed. And, and, and it's just, it's a simple scene, but it is so powerful of that, that sort of serendipity or that, that uh, good spirited of people. And they, and they kind of bump into people along the way that step in. And we're all like that. We've given to others. And I myself have been so grateful for those that have stepped in when I've needed it, you know, and it's a wonderful balance. You know, when you're, when you're in the position to give or help you do, and when you need help, you know, God be praised, you know, someone comes in. And so that that theme is through the whole story that, you know, there are good people out there and there are people that are willing to risk everything to to help and stuff. So, you know, it's interesting that late Dr. Wayne Dwyer, a tremendous psychologist. Yeah, he, he had a he had a theme that he said that uh, when you're living your life on purpose and living your life according to core principles, the right people magically show up in your life. In other words, you create your own momentum. Sure. And that's what I'm hearing here in this. Uh, there's a lot of interesting psychological principles. If you were to take the book and you have the study guide, um, I'm going to ask a different question. It's probably not in the study guide. Um, <laughs> what kind of themes that I typically cover or Doug or Ted cover uh, are present in this book? What kind of subjects? To these kids oh, right off, yeah, right off the bat. Um, I mean, everything from because it's very interesting because the conspiracy gets big with <clears throat> with Britfield, but from the very short period of time, it's it's the illegal orphanage, you know, meaning meaning they've take the the Grievouses have taken over this orphanage and they're getting paid by the by the 
the state mm-hmm. a certain amount of money as long as they maintain a certain amount of orphans. And they're supposed to obviously provide them with, you know, good food. And, Is this a criticism of CPS? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so that on the very, that's not a low level, but that on that, that on that smaller level to all the way up to the prime minister that you find out, I don't want to give anything away that might be involved uh, with the, um, the Briffey had one son. And he was kidnapped ten years ago, you know. Okay. As book one comes out, comes out, and um, and and because he was the last line of the Britfields, last bloodline, you know what I mean. And um, and so as Gowerstone is starting to find things out and come closer to it, and he's got he's good friends with the uh, prime minister. They both went to um, Eton, and they both went to Christ Church, Oxford. Um, and so, and then you get into the bigger political realm. You get you get it has huge stuff. I mean, are you kidding me? Like, there's Windsor. And 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 um, they crash land the balloon at Windsor. Now, Hainsworth, who they they meet Professor Hainsworth at, at um, Oxford College, and he's this kind of stuffy professor, and and they're being chased, you know, at Oxford because they crashed their balloon there, and and um, and they're running and knocking on, you know, and, and they're out of places to go, and all of a sudden, like Hainsworth is leaving for you know to get some some fresh air, and he bumps into him, and Tom's holding Sarah because she split strained her her uh, her ankle and you know he's like what do you want he's like well get her to the hospital it's like I ain't gonna... and, and he sees like the cops looking around and they're looking for you and yes sir and it's like what's going on what's a complicated story and, you know and so finally like Hainsworth decides after hearing tom's compelling story of growing up at weatherly to help them get to to, um, to london and it's it's a beautiful transition from a narrow-minded overworked never had a vacation hating my life you know older gentleman that to, to decide, you know what, I'm going to get you no matter what it takes. I'm getting you to, to, to London. And so that's a, a huge transition in his life. He becomes the father figure for Tom and Sarah, Sarah and for, for, for him, he's like, you know, back and forth. And then, and then there's, the, uh, so they crash land at Windsor and, um, and luckily um, Philip, uh, who's the superintendent of Windsor uh, was a student of Hainsworth. And so, so it's like, Oh my gosh. And it's great. And it's like, it's, it's a great contrast to, it's my favorite scene actually in the whole book. Um, but a weatherly orphanage and the freezing cold and the dri- you know the dripping uh, ceiling yeah. and the wafer thin blankets to spending the night at Windsor you know, and having this gorgeous room, new set of clothing, best meal they've ever had. But all of a sudden, when when Tom brings up Britfield and Hainsworth is talking about it, Philip starts to get very agitated, and so boom, you start to bring bring this in this thread. And it's like, what's, I don't, again, I want to be very careful not to give anything away, but it's like, you talk about themes. Are you kidding me? It has, it's everything. It's everything right now. I I literally pulled the curtain, like the Windsor dynasty. That's, that's been a fake dynasty from day one. It's German. Um, and, and what they've done and what they've usurped. I mean, you go to England and honestly, when you talk to the people, uh, in England, they hate the Windsors and they always have, there's a very small majority again. It's all flashover substance. Oh my gosh, millions of people come out to see them. No, they're not. You know what I mean? Like they know what they know who they are. They know what they are. They know what they've done. Um, so no, I, I touch on all of that. You know what I mean? I really start to challenge narratives. Put it that way. So I think I think in pos- I, you know it was all subconsciously done with book one, but it's like listening to your show and and um, and Hagman and everyone else. You know, getting all this information, learning, doing my own research that just sort of filtered into the story. Um, but in a very nonchalant way, you know, it wasn't my agenda. I wasn't trying to drive it. It wasn't the narrative of the story, but it's there and, and it's, it's foundational. It's huge. There's so many, so many, so many themes in it that you just, and I think what we're trying to do is we're, we're, we're trying to enlighten people that they start to question the narrative. And you're seeing that now, as I said, since 2020, for the first time, people are starting to challenge things, right? True. For the first time, how many, how many millions of people aren't going out and getting a, a toxic flu shot? Oh, got to get my flu shot. Hey, it's free at CBS. Are you kidding me? You have no idea what's in that thing. <laughs> you know? So anyway. No, no, I, I hear what you're saying. And um, I, boy, I tell you, I can't, I can't wait till the movies come out. Um, how far apart are they going to be released? You know? Yeah, I'm hoping um, it'll be, it'll be interesting because we're close to, um, you know, finalizing the team. And when I say close, you know, it could be three to, uh, probably three months, you know what I mean? Finalizing the team and, and stuff, but I've got the third draft of the movie script. We've got, um, we've got a major studio. We've got, I've got the produ- producers. We've got the business plan. We've got all sort of our selected potential actors and some of the directors that we're looking at. So a lot of it depends on, on that team, but ideally um, I think what, two things. One is I think it could be every, 
at the minimum it would be every two years. It could be every 18 months, depending on how fast it moves. Because you have to keep in mind too, what's great about the Bitfield movies, number one is, is that it does take in present time. And so you're, you're not like, you don't have like expensive costuming. Um, you don't have like James Bond movies where you're, you're going, you're traveling around the world, right? We're shooting this scene in Prague and we're shooting this scene. You know what I mean? Like you're all over the world. Um, you have huge, you know, stunts with car chases and the helicopter. You know what I mean? And we don't, you know what I mean? It's a fast paced adventure series and it's exciting, but it's, it's in some ways, it's very simplistic to set up and shoot and uh, book two, book two's in France. And so to me, it's a dream job for the director of the team. It's like, okay, we're shooting in England and then next year we're going to be in France and then we're going to be to Italy. It's like, are you kidding? No, this, this no, it's expensive. You know, I, I tell you, it puts me in the mind and I, and I've been here like three or four times in our conversation. When I was in seventh grade, we watched Great Expectations. Oh. Uh, and we read the book and then we watched the movie and it captured my imagination. And you kind of put me in that mindset. I know it's, it's not the, exactly the same, but I'm in that mindset. It's kind of a great expectation start type of story. Uh, I love that. That's frankly, that's my favorite book of Dickens. Uh, um, mine too. Mine too. If you were to say, if you were to say who, who is my most influential, um, writer, it's Dickens, Charles Dickens. And, and what, what is Britfield the line closest to? Charles Dickens. And, 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 and because of, uh, if you think of all the authors, Dickens was the one that was writing in real time, real events, real characters, real places, real people. And, and so we're, we're different in many ways and fast paced and everything. And, but, um, but I was hugely influenced by, by Charles Dickens and, and then the, and Jane, a little bit of Jane Austen. I love her. And then, and then the yeah. Brontes, you know, Withering Heights, Jane Eyre. Um, there's a reason it takes, it starts up in Yorkshire, Northern England. You know what I mean? And so it's kind of a shout out to that whole Gothic feel to it and stuff. But, um, but yeah, it is. It's that kind of just, and, 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 and I myself, like, um, I was hugely influenced by, uh, the mouse on the motorcycle and Runaway Ralph. That was Beverly clearly. And then James and the Giant Peach rocked my world when I was young. I just loved that book by Roald Dahl and, um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And then I will never forget, you know, at 10 years old on Christmas on television watching Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And that was one of the pivoting moments that changed my life. And it's funny. It was that end scene in uh, Willy Wonka where they're in the elevator and they crash through the ceiling and they start floating around the rooftops of England. And if you look, you know, behind me. Dave, you can actually see it with the with the balloon I see know, that. flying yeah. over flying over the rooftops of the little red tile roofs. And I think and and the big orange thing, kind of a shout out to James and Giant Peach. But I think those books just stuck with me, resonated with me. And then I'll be honest, nineteen seventy seven Star Wars, that that rocked my world. You me know? too. And, that that made a yeah. big impression on me too. Well, yeah. we're just about out of time. So I want you to tell people how they can follow your good work, get a copy of what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can check us out at Britfield, B-R-I-T-F-I-E-L-D, Britfield.com. That's our website, award-winning website, over 400 pictures of England. So if you're reading book one or teaching it at homeschool or classroom, um, you can get a signed copy from that. And, I, and I'll be doing that just for a little bit longer. So it's kind of fun. I sign every book that you that's purchased through there. Uh, bookmarker and and, and uh, we have a specials and things like that. Or just Amazon or any other major platforms you can get Britfield. So Wow. Yeah, that's the best what way to do it. Creative work. This is uh this is so phenomenal. I don't do a lot of author interviews. I, I do sure. a few. I do a few. I've sure. never done something like this. Um and uh you, you know, it's not your typical theme either. Like Hunger Games, there's no there's only empowerment um through one character and the rest everybody just falls into into being. And I, sure. and I suppose the Hunger Games sends the message you can be like her. But I, I like the approach you're taking. There's so many different things for kids to draw on and for parents to use as a teaching tool. If I was homeschooling, I, we, we'd be using your books. I mean, yeah, we, it's great. It's, it's, it's great for homeschooling. I was just asked the other day on, a, on an interview and, and we love the homeschool movement and we're huge supporters of the homeschool, you know, curriculum and, 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 and ideology and, 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 and also for parents that, that are thinking about it doesn't necessarily mean that one parent has to stay home. There's so many options and alternatives today to homeschooling you could drop them off at a homeschool group instead right. of one of the, the institutions and stuff and i have no personal stock in it i myself was not homeschooled but when you see a model work and you see a model that's as close to the way that education should be and how children should be raised love the homeschoolers so no you're, you're absolutely right there's no agenda alien to the family being forced upon these children and you know it's interesting too 
if what they were doing in a lot of these schools was healthy for kids, why would they keep it from the parents? Exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. Hey, well, this has been fun, Chad. I really appreciate thank you coming on, and sure. I can't wait for the movies to come out, and uh, I'll be in attendance. So thanks for joining Absolutely. us here on The Common Sense Show. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. Take care. We at The Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts and help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at TheCommonSenseShow.tv, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TheCommonSenseShow.tv. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call buryyourgold.com. And what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground. And you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold. Not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to buryyourgold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee.